I really wish I could be one of those girls that loves doing cardio. That's like every morning I need to get up and I need to run 10 miles. But I genuinely prefer rotting in bed. Listening to audiobooks probably is the only way that I get any steps in. A story that just makes any type of repetitive activity better is my favorite kind of story. And my absolute favorite go-to platform to use is Audible. I love Audible because of their unparalleled selection. They've got thousands of titles to choose from. They have audiobooks across every genre from thrillers to romance novels to self-help books but they also have podcasts guided wellness programs theatrical performances comedy originals i'm a thriller girly so i'm currently listening to a flicker in the dark by stacy willingham and the story follows a psychologist named chloe she moved to baton rouge to get away from the family's dark history chloe's dad is in prison for the kidnapping and murder of six young girls who went missing when chloe was a kid so there's a lot to unpack already chloe is the reason her dad got arrested she found this charm belonging to one of the victims in her dad's closet. But there are some things that just don't add up about the investigation. And just when Chloe feels like she's finally moving on from the past, a series of copycat murders start happening in Baton Rouge, forcing Chloe to dig up the past. The story is so fast-paced. I love it. And there are so many red herrings. Anyone can be a suspect, including Chloe's own husband, her brother. I've been listening to portions of this audiobook for about 30 minutes every single morning while I go out for a little light, I want to say jog, but right now it's more of a walk. And listening to audiobooks always sets me up to be more productive and creative throughout the day. So if you're looking for a way to spice up your cardio sessions or just be more inspired, sometimes I just play it and I rot in bed anyway. I just lay there and I listen to it and it's so good. I highly recommend using Audible. Audible members can keep one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible now for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash baking or text baking to 500-500. That's audible.com slash baking or text baking to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Come on, hit it, sir. Bada beam, bada bam. <laughs> he said bada bing. <laughs> bada bing, bada bam. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Welcome to this week's Bacon a Murder, Bacon a Mystery episode. Okay, we're back with another book. I'm so freaking excited. You guys loved the last book that we did. Then she was gone. And now somebody else disappears. Or does she? We don't really know, okay? This is kind of a shorter book. So I'm just going to jump right in. Also, we're making these like caramel scone puffs Oof. i'm really excited Wait, yeah <laughs> they're gonna be like little you balls like caramel? of caramel oh yeah well get to mix in the three ingredients while i talk about will will knew deep in his heart that he shouldn't have been stalking his ex-girlfriend's instagram but he couldn't help it i mean the guy had just gotten out of the psych ward <laughs> And there she was, just living that influencer life with her new perfect boyfriend. He just wanted to see if she ever thought about him like he thought about her. He realizes, as he's analyzing all the photos, and this is kind of creepy, he realizes that all the photos are old. They had just been re-edited to color correct and look new. Why would she be only posting old photos as an influencer? Like photos that he had already seen, some of them he himself had taken. It just didn't make sense. Especially because she has like a new boyfriend and this new lifestyle that she's trying to promote online. The more that he investigated, the more Will realized that nobody has actually seen his ex-girlfriend alive for over a year. 
and none of the alive. pictures. Like nobody has talked to her on the phone. Nobody has bumped into her. Nobody has gone on a dinner date with her. Mm-hmm. No friend had caught up with her. And huh. none of the photos that she has taken in the past, I don't know, year have been posted. She's just posting old photos. So he's thinking, who the hell is posting these pictures? Because it can't be her. So before we get started, please pick up a copy of Let Her Be or listen to it or read it on an e-reader, whatever your heart desires. It's honestly such a good one. It was very easy to read in the sense that it kept my attention the whole time. The suspense was being built up, but it also never felt like it was dragging. Honestly, I was super pleasantly surprised, okay? Now let's get into the story. Now, I think one of my biggest fears in life is to have a stalker. I think one of the most terrifying parts is that you have no idea that you have a stalker. You don't even have an idea that it's happening. That's scary to me. Imagine you're sitting in bed watching this video. Mm -hmm. Maybe your blinds are open just a little bit. Maybe someone's looking in, trying to study the way that you put your hair behind your ear. Maybe they're trying to take discreet pictures of your feet. This is a sign to keep your toes crusty so that no stalker can get off on your toe picks. Smart. Maybe they want to see what you watch just in case. In that situation, just play Rotten Mango on speakers and let them know that you're into true crime and you're on the lookout. Mm. Or maybe they're scanning through your old Instagram photos, zooming in on the backgrounds to see where you go, where you eat, where you hang out, learning every little thing that there is to know about you, hoping that they can just guess your next move and bump into you. Because statistically, your stalker is someone you know. Anita knew her stalker, and she knew that he was stalking her. She didn't know what all was gonna happen, everything that was gonna take place, but she knew that he was always there and always watching. But first, we have to talk about how they met. Anita's dating history is a bit... Okay, she didn't really have a type. All the guys that she dated were super different in different industries. They looked different, they had different hobbies, different aesthetics, but they all had one thing in common. They were just walking red flag billboards. Mm. Like it wasn't even a red flag, it was like a red curtain. The bartender that she dated, he was that typical bad boy. He got the tattooed sleeves, he had this cool guy air, he's like oof. Brett, don't be looking at your tattoo. <laughs> Brett, you don't have Yo, a sleeve. why do girls love bad, bad guys? He's like, why? I want to know. Oh, yeah, I'm so <laughs> curious. And then they get heartbroken. And then, yeah. And then I'm just nice on the side waiting I'm for not, my chance. Uh, <laughs> I don't like bad guys. But I like bad guys. <laughs> he just had this like cool vibe about him. You know, he's like the type of guy that's like, I don't drink Coors Light. I drink this really boutique IPA from this brewery, the blah, blah, blah. Like he's one of those guys, you know? But he also did so much drugs that he regularly passed out during sex, just like cold, out like a light, gone. Then there was the hedge fund manager who just never stopped looking at his phone, ever. At this point, Anita almost fell asleep while they were doing it because all he did was check his damn freaking phone. While they're while doing, doing it? it? Yeah, all the time. Just wow. on his phone. So weird. And then the off-Broadway actor who oddly kept a picture of his mom on his nightstand right next to his bed. Sex was great though, but it was weird. It was a little weird. Mm-hmm. And then you have the IT guy who just never stopped quoting 90s sitcoms. Like it was just really hard to talk to him. He talked in movie quotes. He talked in lyrics. And then alas, she dated Will. Will was kind of like the light at the end of the dark tunnel of guys. Anita and Will, they actually loved each other. 
I mean, it was comfortable, effortless, like one of those romantic comedies. They would go to the lo local market and they'd be like, ooh, should we pick this up for our turkey chili Tuesdays? <laughs> that we're cooking in the heat of new york city with the window open they're playing that jazz music on one of those record players because you think new yorkers use bozy speakers or whatever the fuck you call them i love new york i don't know why i'm dogging on new yorkers i love you guys so much please accept me and they would share a glass of wine giggling with each other and afterwards they would cuddle in bed talking about their dreams in life. And it really felt like if they ever got into a fight, Anita was just used to guys storming off, you know, never to come back. But Will would sit there and apologize and rub her feet while they watched TV. He loved her feet. <laughs> he said, even when your feet are dirty from walking barefoot on the hardwood floor, they're so soft. It sounds like our guy has a foot fetish and I'm not judging. But it's a foot fetish. Like if Who you're, doesn't, right? Yeah. 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 Gotta love them feet. Mm -hmm. Listen, I like feet. I get it. I understand. I accept all fetishes that are legal and consensual. But like if you have dirty feet and you've been walking around barefoot, the last thing I want are your grubby big ass toes <laughs> on my lap. I'm just saying. I have toe trauma. I have you know what my sister used to do? Why? She would get her toes and claw my leg. Why? Just to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's crazy though. Yeah. Like girls' feet don't smell. How many have you sniffed? Sniffed. Well, like for research. I didn't do it on purpose, but yeah. Two. They just stuck their feet in your face. Yeah, like I was driving, and then like they did it. I was like, Woo! <laughs> spicy. No, no, nothing like that. They just did it for like to tease me, you know. When you're driving, they stick their to toes tease to you? your face. No, no, I like, like we like exercise we went for a hike okay. oh, this is a while ago but they just did it and then i was like what the heck and then i kind of sniffed it right and that was when he discovered his foot fetish no, i don't have foot fetish but he listen but you don't they don't smell right they don't smell it didn't feel soft i didn't touch it but did you want to touch it no <laughs> anyways my sister used to pinch me with her little crawfish toes uh -huh. but will was different he loved everything about anita he loved her rosy little cheeks the dimple in her little chin her big eyes her full lips he loved that she just radiated main character energy. I mean, she really did. So the two of them, they're living in New York City and they both ran into, you know, a lot of girls that had never seen a hard day in their lives who had just been raised by daddy and mommy in a sheltered place, but not Anita. Anita was special. Her dad died when she was just a toddler. Love it. He's like, yes, I love childhood trauma. It makes you special. And Anita's mom, Jenny, was just always drunk all the time. Growing up, Anita was ignored by her mom, and it wasn't until she got older, like maybe high school days, that Jenny started just flipping a switch on Anita and became overly clingy. Jenny was lonely. She couldn't find friends of her own age. She wanted to hang out with her own daughter's friends, which is weird. Side That's note, weird. even the first time Anita introduced Will to her mom, her mom tried to hit on Will. That's so weird. Teamwork makes the dream work. That's some eggs, do, 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 This is cream. some cream. I love it. <laughs> Scoopity doop, ladies. He's a chef. He's a baker. When you're sad, he'll bake for you, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. 
she tried to hit on Will. So anyways, because of the unstable family life, Anita became a workaholic. When she got older, she got a job on Wall Street. She went into finance, and it was an incredibly taxing job, pun intended. But Anita had the spirit. She had the attitude. She was packing those punches. She didn't care that this was a male-dominated field. Are you freaking kidding me? Anita knew what she wanted, and she was getting those big, fat paychecks. She loved money. Not because she was greedy, but for Anita, money was being able to gift her friends things, was to take them shopping, take them on vacations. And also, yeah, she loved retail therapy. She's a bit of a material girl. Are we judging her? No. So anyway, so now it seems like Anita's life is perfect. Will is perfect. It's the perfect little love story. Will's parents are the opposite of hers. They're present. They're loving. They have a townhouse in the Upper East Side. They come from money and class. Will was an aspiring author. That was his job. I would have loved if my job was aspiring something. <laughs> like I'm aspiring to be something, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I'm aspiring to be employed. Like that was my job when I didn't have a job. It just made sense for him, okay? Because his dad was an editor, so he was working on his novel. And they had all the little connections, but real, really, really wanted to play that, you know, rich kids stereotype. He was like, no parents, don't give me your money. Let me live in this townhome in the most rich neighborhood of New York, but I wanna cosplay being broke. When I'm out, I wanna, I want the vibe. I wanna live this like edgy energy. Like it's giving struggling artist vibe and that's what I wanna do. I wanna talk to my friends about how I'm really struggling. And he was pondering, what should I get my girlfriend for her anniversary? Like, I wanna show her that I love her, but I'm a broke, struggling artist, right? So as a symbol of their love, he wanted to gift her a diamond, an engagement ring. He wanted to propose, Ooh. but he didn't have the money for that. He thought, maybe I'll wait till I get a book deal and I get my advance. So a fancy Tiffany infinity necklace would have to do. <laughs> this is literally what I'm talking about, rich kids of New York. Like, we're, when you're struggling and you're trying to get your partner something, you're gonna get them something like from those little crane machines and be cute about it. But like a Tiffany infinity necklace, bro, are you really struggling? But Anita loved it. She wore it all the time, all the time. But it was soon after this that their relationship just started falling apart. It just started melting away really. Will started getting incredibly insecure, and technically Will's parents had money, but Anita made her own money. She's beautiful, successful, more successful than Will, independent, she's perfect. So Will felt like, of course she's seeing someone else on the side. Like, duh, hmm. why wouldn't she? He starts checking her phone when she's not looking, and he thought he found some text messages that made his heart drop to his stomach. But turns out, she was just talking to her cousin. <laughs> He's she's talking like, to Dan then. Yeah, she's like, where do you wanna get lunch on Tuesday? Close call, right? He should stop now. I mean, she proved that she's loyal. She's just talking to her family members. But you know he's not gonna stop. Will questioned whether or not Anita was really where she said she was. One time, Anita said that she was hanging out with her best friend, Emily. But Will knew for a fact that Anita wasn't with Emily. I don't know how he knew, but he knew. So the only appropriate thing that he felt to do was to follow her next time she went out. And he would grill her. When she came home, he would sit down and he would scream at her, where were you at 7.43 p.m. on Thursday night? I called you twice and you didn't pick up until the eighth ring, which is weird because you usually pick up around the fourth ring and it rang eight times, so what were you doing? And she's looking at him like shocked, like, I, this seriously can't be the same guy that I fell in love with. What is wrong with him? They're fighting all the time. He's following her around and she knew it. She caught him once. Imagine you trust your partner, you love them so much and you're out with your friends and you look behind you and in the bush, 
You see your partner's face fucking sticking out. Will said the look on Anita's face when they made eye contact was a mixture of disbelief, anger, sadness, and that's just what really killed the relationship. In the end, Anita broke up with him and Will could not stop thinking about it. He did the worst thing an ex could do. He started stalking her. Mm. She was so terrified and she knew she had to get a restraining order on Will and Will felt like their relationship had it's, it just felt like for him, it was holding a cup of, like just a scoop of water in his hands. And that's Anita. And their relationship and Anita are just slipping through. There's no way he can hold on to the water. Does that make sense? No, yeah. no matter how mm -hmm. hard he tries, it's just going to disappear. I mean, there's no way to control the water or keep the water because at the end of the day, it's a whole nother individual. You can't control someone. It was going to slip through. So he just had this desperate, frantic feeling and Will's mental health literally spiraled. He could not picture his life without her and he thought of her as the best thing that had ever happened to him. He couldn't live without her. So he decided he just wouldn't. But the problem was he looked online and most men preferred shooting themselves or jumping off buildings. Will didn't know where to get a gun. He didn't like the idea of throwing himself a building. So he thought, well, maybe I'll just go the old fashioned way. I'll get into the bathtub and I will slit my wrist. So that's what he does. He made long cuts on both his wrists and as he lay there, he could literally feel the life draining out of his body. And he thought about Anita. He thought about life and he realized in that fleeting moment, he didn't want to die. Like what the hell was he doing? What was he thinking? He was semi-conscious at this point and he knew he needed help ASAP. He feels like this is his survival instinct just kicking in. He called Anita. Will had no idea whether or not she picked up. But she must have because he remembers her showing up at the apartment and she has a phone in her hand. She's shaking and she's on the phone and his vision is getting blurry because mm -hmm. he's losing blood. But he remembered the conversation. 911, what's your emergency? My, my, my friend, my friend, he, um, he slit his wrist. My God, there's so much blood. And in that moment, Will remembered seeing somebody pull Anita away from him, like a shadow almost. He, someone had pulled her off the ground next to the bathtub in the pool of water and blood. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a guy for sure, standing in the background, in the shadows. Who the hell was he? And then Will lost consciousness. No matter how much he tried to remember, think about this moment over and over again. He could not recall the man that was there. The shadow that pulled Anita away from him. I mean, it had to be Anita's new boyfriend, right? It had to be. Even weeks of thinking about it. That was the best he could come up with. And trust me, Will had weeks to think about it because after his suicide attempt, he spent six weeks in the psychiatric hospital. Now, Will's parents, they're incredibly supportive. They paid all the medical bills. And when he was released, they let him move back in with him. He remained unemployed while he worked on his novels. But even when he got back, he just laid on his bed at home, looking out the window, thinking about all the people that he told that he was going to be better now. His parents trusted him when he said he was, Mom, Dad, I'm feeling more stable now. What would they think if they knew that all he could think about was Anita? She was literally the only thing on his mind still. He would spend hours a day on social media cyber-stalking Anita. He knew he was breaking his restraining order, but he had to reach out to her. He had to text her. He had to email her. Anything he could think of. But why did she never respond? All he wanted to do was thank her for saving his life and maybe ask her something. He just wanted to know what made her pick up the phone that night. The night that he tried to, you know, end his life. Because all the other nights, she had the restraining order, she never picked up the phone, but that night she did. And that's what saved his life. Did she sense that he needed her? Was there something there? Maybe it was like a connection or something, like a telepathic connection. Did she know that I was in trouble somehow? 
Maybe whatever we had between us was still strong. Maybe our connection was just so deep and so special. I mean, that made sense. Like even when Anita moved on, Will felt like she was still thinking about him as much as he thought about her. And Anita's boyfriend seemed fake, honestly. It didn't feel like real love, and not even soulmates. His name was Parker. Maybe he was the guy in the shadow that night, or a new guy. Will didn't know. But the two moved out of New York City and went to go build a fucking tiny house in the middle of butt nowhere and kicked, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, and kicked off their social media journey detailing their new tiny house and talking about how they're living the minimalistic lifestyle. They each bragged about how they only had like 33 fucking possessions each. I mean, he's not jealous at all. I mean, Will is obviously annoyed at their happiness. He found reasons to hate Parker. First of all, dumb name. He's thinking Parker. And his social media handle was even dumber. He called himself Parker Pinches Pennies. So cringy. Will thought to himself, I wonder if Parker knows how much Anita loves shopping. Back before she quit her job in finance to move to this tiny freaking house, all she did was go on shopping sprees. She would probably kill someone for a Dior bag right now. He scoffed, really. Parker has no idea what he's gotten himself into. And Will would roll around in bed, hate scrolling both of their Instagram accounts all day. Freaking Parker's dumb Instagram. All about vegan recipes, money-saving advice. And Anita posted about how they're growing their own food, composting, and how she's even taking up knitting. Together they have nearly a million followers and were considered simple life influencers. Sheesh. Word on the block, aka intense Instagram stalking, it resulted in finding out that Parker and Anita were on their way to have a book deal and even possibly a TV show. So Will obviously hates it. I mean, it makes him want to gag, honestly. Like how fake the whole relationship seemed. But also, seeing Anita being free and with somebody else, he hated it. But he couldn't stop looking. He would be one of the first people on the page when they posted a new picture, overanalyzing every single caption, everything, scanning the picture for something. And sometimes Will would get annoyed because he knew Anita was recycling old photos. Like what an influencer. She would use the photos that even Will had taken of her. Like are you kidding? Imagine if Will just sent a DM to Parker letting him know, hey your loving girlfriend uses pictures that I took of her to promote your loving lifestyle. And on top of that he can find the exact same picture in his camera roll. So she's just using old pictures that her ex took of her, like how strange. I mean doesn't that mean that's kind of a sign that she still cares about him? Like maybe it's like a signal. She's sending yeah. a message to Will being like, I, I love you, Will. Email me seven more times. <laughs> because you bet your ass Will emailed her seven more times and even threw in a bonus email. The eighth one was a freebie. But Anita never responded. Maybe she didn't see that. Maybe Parker was one of those controlling boyfriends. Maybe they didn't have a lot of Wi-Fi because, you know, Parker pinches pennies. He knew he shouldn't tell his therapist though. She'd been working really hard on helping him learn how to not let his emotions control him. She wanted to teach him how to accept that he can't control other people, even though he desperately wanted to. But he was making good progress. In fact, he was even making progress on his thriller novel. Yeah, all those endless hours of social media stalking, he somehow found a way to squeeze in a few hours of writing. But he never really left the house. He never got a job, and he never tried to go on a date or socialize. For years straight, he felt like he needed to wear long sleeves, even in the drenching New York City heat, because he was embarrassed about his scars. So he's making progress, but it was slow. But still, progress. Okay, and we're back. And I'm freezing. I don't know what's going on. So I put on a jacket, and these are the cream puffs that we just have to put a dollop of butter on and then coat it with caramel sauce. Oh my gosh. Are you freaking kidding? Let's okay, Dendan, you want to put it on with the chopsticks, and maybe I will drizzle the caramel sauce. Mm. Like that? Oof. 
That's so good. Oh, that's so pretty. Everybody give me your plate. Since the chef cooked it, I'm gonna give it to the chef first. Thank you. And then Thank for you. my fiance and Let's for me. It. Let's I try. Add butter. The caramel puff. <gasps> Oopsie. I made it really gross. How is it? How is it? Too dry. Mm. What? Flavor mm -hmm. is good though. Oh, it's so dry. With peace and love. Is it the recipe? Is it the chef? We'll never know. Definitely not the chef. <laughs> it's definitely the recipe, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is kind of dry. It's dry, right? It crumbles. But it is good. No. Uh, it's very crunchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the taste, though. It's like a cookie or something. It's like I like eating it. a biscuit. Yes, it's good. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow. It's good. It got so sweet because I covered it in caramel sauce that my oh teeth my went, you know, when you eat something mm -hmm. so sweet. Now, the only person that we'll kind of stayed in touch with was Anita's best friend, Emily. They were more like sisters. They were complete opposites. Anita was a material girl. She was fun, beautiful, wild, worked in finance. Emily, she was more of like this down-to-earth bookworm. She wore glasses, flowy clothes. She loved her leather satchels. Emily was the only one that didn't treat Will that much differently. She even offered to help him get a book deal. She worked in children's publishing. She had some connections. And Will's not dumb. He knew that she was only helping him out of pity. But he needed all the help that he could get. Emily was nicer than most people, but she still kind of danced around his suicide. She called it, it's his break. That's what they all called it, his break. And Will hated that. But anyway, he made a coffee date with Emily to talk about his book. And deep down, he's hoping that she's going to spill some tea, give up some juicy details on what's going on with Anita. Things like, have you heard from her? What state has she moved to? Should we go surprise her? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Do you want to, Emily? He said that? No, he's thinking that. Oh. <laughs> okay. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Will wants to know. So the two sit down at a local coffee shop in New York City and Emily breaks the ice first and she says, So, Will, how is everything? How are you feeling? What a question. Will hated this question. Everybody asked it and it was always in the same tone. How are you feeling? How are you really? Are you doing okay? Just dancing around his attempt. So he just came up with this to-go answer a long time ago, and it's always this. Because you never want to say, I'm good. They think you're lying. You can't say, I'm great. They think you're lying. You can't say, I'm bad, because they'll stick you back in the psych so ward. So what do you say? So he says, better. I'm getting there. Uh, that's a good answer. One day at a time. Well, I'm so glad, Will. <laughs> And Emily put her hand on top of his, almost as a comforting maternal gesture. And that was that. 
They start talking about Will's book. Emily is super excited for him. He tells her that he loves her work as well. Mm -hmm. He's read a ton of her poems. They're all incredibly dark reads and he likes that. You almost don't expect it from someone who comes looking like Emily. Like she looks like a fairy librarian, but then all these dark poems come out of her. It just makes it work. So the conversation pivots back to Will's blog. So he had this blog where he was posting all these short fiction stories. And he's sitting there sweating, thinking of how it's kind of the perfect opening. <laughs> blog, blog, vlog, social media. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking oh, yeah. of blogs, Emily, have you seen Anita's? And Emily looks a little bit taken aback, because this is the ex that he's stalking. And Emily is the ex's best friend, you know? Mm -hmm. And Emily looks a little bit taken aback. Oh yeah, um, who hasn't seen her stuff? I, I love her post, she just looks so happy. She looks happy. And Emily pulls out her phone and maybe it's to break the awkwardness, she pulls out Anita's latest post as if Will wasn't just staring at it, like waiting for Emily to get to the coffee shop as if he wasn't stalking Anita like two seconds ago. And she says, look, she looks really happy. But Will's eyes go to the caption that he's practically memorized by now. I mean, the post has only been out for, what, 10 minutes? And he's memorized the caption. And it kind of stung if he's being a bit honest. It said, just a year ago, I was in a dark place. A rat in a maze. Today, the day dawned clear and crisp. And I greeted the rising sun on my yoga mat. Then for two uninterrupted hours, I wrote, this is the dream and you can have it too. Hashtag yoga, hashtag surprise, hashtag love, hashtag the simple life, hashtag I am writing. We all know this people, and we all want to punch them. Nama, stay off my feed, thank you very much, <laughs> oh okay? God. Like, she was one of those. But that's not why he's mad. As the two of them are sitting there, the smell of coffee beans is like circulating. The buzz buzz of the baristas grinding up the coffee, the jazz music, the artsy New Yorkers sitting there cross-lugged with a book in their lap as if... They don't truly just want to go on TikTok right now. Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, they're just all doing their thing. And the two of them are staring at their phone in silence. And Emily notices this shift in Will's attitude. He looks upset. I'm so sorry, Will. No, no, no. It's fine. I'm happy for her. I really am. Well, that's, that's good. <laughs> have, you, um, have you talked to her, Emily? Now listen, it's so awkward because Will is trying to, so hard to be casual about this whole conversation, but it's clear to even a passerby that this guy is tensed, his butthole is clenched, his shoulders are high up, practically touching his ears. So, uh, like I said, have you um, talked to her? Actually, you know, no, not at all. And he notices her get a little stiffed in her chair. Is Emily lying or is she just uncomfortable with the situation? What's going on? Brianna and I were just talking about it the other night and, um, yeah, like no one has talked to her in ages. I mean, we get the occasional text or email sometimes, but it almost feels like she's trying to shed everyone and everything from her old life. You know, she just left. No goodbye gathering, no dinner, nothing. She just made an announcement on Instagram. And by then, the two of them, her and Parker, they had already left the city. Together, Anita and Parker. Yeah, um... But maybe we shouldn't be doing this right now. Maybe we shouldn't be talking about this. Let's talk about you and your book. It's okay, Emily, don't worry. I've been working on myself, you know? I get it, I made mistakes, big ones, but Anita's moved on and I'm happy that she's happy. Well, that, that's great, that's great. But it just seems a little strange, doesn't it? You guys were so close, more like sisters. Living the simple life doesn't mean that you have to shed all your friends, does it? Um, I mean, I wouldn't think so, but she did this post about Clutter clearing, leaving behind the old dead relationships that hold you back. 
She said something about how even people you love can hold on to this outdated version of you and it causes you to cling to that part of yourself and you feel like you have to act like that person again. No, well, she probably wasn't talking about you. She's probably talking about me. Well, some of us were kind of hurt by that post, especially since none of us has spoken to her. None of you guys? No, like not for almost a year since, you know, it all happened. Okay, now at this point, Will can see tears starting to form in Emily's eyes, and instead of sparing her for bringing up the sad memories, he thinks it's a great chance to dig harder when she's emotional. So he says, well, what about the Parker guy? What do you think of him? Now, Will can feel his temples pulsing on the sides of his head. He can hear his own heartbeat. He has to remind himself mm. to breathe. This is the guy that Anita is with. Of course, it's going to bring up a lot of emotions, potentially angry emotions for Will. I've actually never met him in person. Brianna met him once at a bar and she said that Anita didn't seem that into him. And then a few weeks later, they just left the city. Anyway, I probably shouldn't say this, but I miss you. And I kind of miss how it all was when you were with Anita before, before it got bad. So it seems like the three of them were close. So it's like mm. your best friend gets a new boyfriend and like she is out of your life now. You guys never hang out. So you almost miss her ex because when it was like them together, mm. they always included you. You guys went on these dates together, like double dates. And now she's gone. Makes sense. So Will is like, me too. So where is it? The tiny house. Jeez. And now at this point, Emily, whatever she was missing about Will, she's fucking over it. She's exasperated, really. She tells him, Will, I, I don't know where the house is, but even if I did, I don't think I could tell you. Okay, I get it, really. Emily, I do. I was just going to suggest that you go find her and you go talk to her. She can't be that far, right? And then he does something that's totally not creepy at all. And it makes it obvious that he's moved on to hotter and better girls. Totally. Obviously. He pulls out his phone, opens Anita's Instagram, and he points. He points at some of the latest pictures and says, Look, those look like northern trees, right? Autumn colors? Yeah. This guy is insinuating that Anita must be somewhere in the northern hemisphere, and that's not stalker vibes at all. Northern? <laughs> what are you going to do with that information? Yeah. Fucking everybody's in the fucking northern hemisphere. I think this whole country is in the northern hemisphere. <laughs> so then he's like, look, it's just that I still care about her. I mean, of course I do. It just all seems so strange to me that she's she meets some guy that no one else really knows. She just takes off, doesn't even say goodbye. No one has ever heard her actual voice or seen her in person for nearly a year. I'm just saying, it just seems a little bit strange to me, like something's not right. And Emily is staring at Will's phone, the northern trees behind Anita. I don't know. She looks pretty fine to me. Like she's glowing, her face. Read her words, her caption. She sounds grounded and wise now. She looks healthy, strong, in fact. In fact, she might be better than she has ever been. Yeah, well that's social media, Emily. It's not, it's not true. It's not real. But isn't it? No! And he's like screaming in the Starbucks, okay? Like imagine someone screams no at you in the Starbucks, bro, I'd be so embarrassed. So she's just sitting there in silence, like what am I gonna do? And then he's like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't have reacted like that. Will, what's true is that she left us. Not just you, Will, but all of us in this life that we are trying to live together in the city. And that fucking sucks, okay? It does. Yeah, but that's my point, Emily. I can see why she would ghost me. I screwed up. I was jealous. I was possessive. I was a total dick. I drove her away, and then I basically stalked her, okay? I was a menace in her life. She was so afraid of me that she called the freaking police and got a restraining order, and then I lost it, and I tried to fucking kill myself, okay? She was right to move on from me, but, but, you guys, you guys were like her sisters. Okay, stay with me here, but what if... What if she didn't leave her life? 
What if like she didn't leave all of her friends by her own choice? And Emily's staring at him and her eyes are wide. And then she kind of gives him an uncomfortable squint and he knows that squint. He's seen it multiple times from doctors, from friends, from family members. It's the look of pity. Emily pities him. Will, she's finally happy. Maybe she'll reach out to us again when she feels more, I don't know, solid in her life. Yeah, but I guess she won't reach out to me. And at this point, Emily is just simply fed up with this creep. The guy is still clearly obsessed with Anita and it's scary and it's unstable. So she gets up, reaches into her purse, slams $20 on the table and walks out. Before she leaves the door though, she turns around in dramatic book fashion because it only happens in books, especially in New York City. You think, you think you're gonna stand at the door blocking the fucking entrance and no New Yorker is gonna cuss you out and you have the moment to do like a dramatic movie <laughs> exit? I don't think so, bitch, okay? So she is about to reach for the door and she turns around and she says, Will, just let her be, okay? Let her be. And she walks out. And Will is left alone with all of his thoughts. And that's when he spots a black moleskin journal from underneath the menu. Emily forgot her notebook. Oh my gosh. So he grabs it and he runs onto the street and he's looking left, he's looking right and the people are buzzing past, they're blurring past. He sees a bunch of unfamiliar faces and he doesn't see Emily anywhere. He texts her, but she doesn't respond. And, you know, he starts fighting with his own intrusive thoughts. Of course he wants to open the notebook. He wants to read each and every page. He wants to photo scan it. He wants to copy it, take screenshots, receipts, okay? But maybe, maybe he'll just open it a little bit and start with one look, right? I mean, it's probably all her poems anyway. It's not like a diary, right? He knows he shouldn't be reading it. So he immediately closes it, tucks it under his arm, and starts walking back to his parents' place, which is like 90 blocks away, but he's got time. All the time in the world, really. And during his little picturesque New York City walk, he starts thinking about all the other properties that the family owns. Because who else doesn't do that when they're in New York City? Just walking around thinking of all the, well, then we got the Hampton house and then the house in Lake Como. He's thinking about all the properties, right? And there is one cabin in upstate New York. It's one of those woodsy houses that's sitting on 20 acres of woodlands. The property was inherited down from the family tree, but it's just straight up a cabin. There's no Wi-Fi, no cell reception. Mm. There's a VCR and a radio, but that's about it. Bro, do you like cabin trips? Yeah, same. <laughs> Why? <sighs> too many insects, too many like yeah. mosquitoes. No Wi- like Wi-Fi slow. Yeah. Ugh. And it's like too dark. <laughs> like there's not too many neighbors. Mm. So at nighttime and then the it creaks. Yeah. And, and the then, lights are dim. Yeah. And then the cell reception is so bad. Do you get creeped out? Uh, yeah. Like especially at nighttime. Yeah. <laughs> and like if you guaranteed me a world where no crime happened, I think I would like cabins. And I'm the idiot. I just realized this. Because did you watch my Insta stories where we had a bird in the house? Yep. Well, people pointed it out and I didn't know. But I was the idiot in this horror movie. I went downstairs and I'm literally recording this bird going, Hello? <laughs> <laughs> like the fucking scary movies where I'm like, I heard a noise in the basement. Hello? Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I would fucking die in oh, a cabin. there you are. Yeah. Let's kill her. So anyways, he's talking about the cabin in the woods. He's thinking about it. The family used to go up there all the time to do hunting, but now nobody goes. It's kind of too painful to go. Will's sister died over there, probably a decade ago. 
She drowned in the lake when they were young, and the police ruled it an accident, but there was no evidence of foul play. There was some lingering questions though, because why was she out in the lake by herself in the middle of the night? Was she actually by herself? Because the police found a pair of large footprints, but they never got any leads from it. So now Will is kind of the only one that visits the house occasionally, and not because he wants to, but he just has to make sure the staff is maintaining it well and keeping it functioning and clean. When he and Anita were together, they would actually go up there a couple times. Anita fucking hated it. She said she felt sadness in the walls. She felt sadness in the lake and the trees. She thought it was a very depressing place to be. But Will's parents kept urging the couple to visit. William, it could be the perfect place for you to work on the novel. I don't know, that just sounds like rich people. You guys can be alone, secluded, how romantic. Yes. But in reality, William's parents had hoped that maybe with Anita's help, the two would revamp the cabin and make these new memories and exercise the old ones and they could all enjoy some of the rewritten history. Do you know what I mean? Like turn this sad place into a home one day. But how do you do that? How do you do that when Will was 12 when his sister died? He was old enough to remember everything. His sister Claire was 16 at the time. The family had gone to the cabin, the parents wanted to go out with some friends. They put responsible Claire in charge. But Claire, like any other teenage girl, preferred the company of an older boy rather than her little nerdy dorky brother. Wool doesn't really remember much of that night, but all he remembers is Claire came up to him and was like, you can't tell the parents. And then he heard the cabin door creak and Claire was whispering to someone. And once that door slammed shut, the lock turned, he could hear the melody of her laughter from outside. And there was another voice there. He remembered it. He don't know, he doesn't know who it was. Claire had a ton of boyfriends. I mean, she's mm. like 16 and very pretty. Nobody knew who she was with that night. Or if she even was with someone, people thought that maybe Will had imagined there being another voice. And now with Will's break, these theories are probably only stronger in people's minds. I mean, what kind of 15-year-old girl goes by to the Learby Nake by herself, though, in the middle of the night to take a swim? I did some dumb stuff when I was 15, 16, typically for friendship, for acceptance and approval, and for boys. But I never was like, you know what, Stefna? Let's go skinny dipping in the lake by yourself at midnight. So Will felt guilty for not remembering more exact details of the night that Claire died. But maybe he shouldn't be thinking about it, because it's so depressing anyway. He's changing, remember? Growing. Now, Will gets home after his long walk and he plops on the couch of his Upper East Side townhouse, you know, to do his favorite thing. <laughs> Stuck Anita on Instagram. Now, mm. Anita is known for just posting, I guess, okay? She's like one of those Instagrammers that posts like 20 times a day. I don't know if those Instagrammers exist, but in this story, it does because like there's always a new post. I don't know how. Like there's so many. Maybe he's doing stories. It's weird. It's weird. I'm like, how can you post 25 pictures a day? You'd be surprised. There's some that does 25 plus a day. Like actual posts or stories. Well, yesterday I seen one. Yeah. Of post? No stories. Oh, okay. Stories are fine. Yeah. No, but. That's still crazy. Yeah, that's still a lot. I need to add my Instagram game. I'm so sorry, okay? <laughs> Literally, I'm so sorry. I'm just like kind of going through some things with my face. Anyway, he's stalking her on Instagram and the newest post read, letting go. We cling to the past, don't we? To versions of ourselves, to people we try to love, to dreams that we have outgrown. But there's only one moment now and the only true self exists here. 
And in this picture, Anita is sitting on like a half lotus. And there's another shadowy figure in the corner, which he knows is him taking the picture. In fact, he can pull up the same freaking camera roll and pull the exact same picture up right now. What? So Will touches the screen with his finger, almost hoping to feel Anita through it. Somehow, he feels like Anita is talking to him. I mean, he's confused. Why is she recycling old photos? Is she just super busy being a simple life influencer? But that's her job, is to take new photos. Mm -hmm. Or maybe... This is a sign that maybe she wants Will back. She's going through the old photos that they took together because she misses him, you know, she's reminiscing. Or maybe, just hear me out, okay? Hear him out. Maybe someone else is posting as Anita, using her old photos, cropping, filtering, photoshopping, coming up with captions. Technically, it's all super easy to do, to create a new reality from the old. Have you seen those YouTube videos? Tricking my followers that I'm in Paris. Tricking my followers that I did blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's like that. Sounds kind of easy, right? Will is deep in his thoughts when his phone rings. Oh, hey, Emily, what's, what's up? Do you have my notebook? It, it's a black moleskin. I left it at the cafe. Oh, yeah, 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 I have it. Well, you didn't read it? Yeah, and now I know all your secrets, Emily. I'm just kidding, Emily. Come over. I would never. I, I tried to catch you after you left, but you were too fast. Well, I'm in your neighborhood. Can I just stop by? Sure. So they hang up. And Will didn't ask why Emily would be on the Upper East Side. In fact, he doesn't even remember telling her that he would be staying with his parents right now. I mean, he's old enough to assume that he would have his own place, right? But maybe after his break, everyone assumed he'd still be with his parents. Anyway, whatever. When Emily gets there, Will can't help but notice that she's taken off her glasses and her hair is down. And she looks delicate, really pretty. Here you go. So Emily grabs the journal and she's flipping through the pages while eyeing him, as if she can tell if Will had gone snooping just by looking at her journal and looking at his face. Um, by the way, since you're here, I'm really sorry about today. I didn't mean it like that, Emily. It's okay, Will. I get it. You loved her and I get it. Well, since you're here, do you want to come in? So the two walk into the townhouse and Emily's eyes fall on the portrait of Will and Claire hanging. It's just over the fireplace. I know this isn't what we should be talking about, but Will, did you, did you know that Anita just kind of bailed on her place? She didn't even tell her landlord. She just packed up her clothes and left most of her furniture and just stopped paying rent one day. Will did not know that. That was intriguing. I mean, I guess what you said at the cafe got me thinking, and it just doesn't seem like her, right? To be so irresponsible, does it? Uh, I don't know. Will's shrugging. He's pretending like, oh, I'm so cool as a cucumber all of a sudden, and I don't give a shit, right? Even her job? I, I know she didn't love her job, like finance wasn't her calling, but she left without notice. Again, it's just not really like her. She didn't love her job, but she still respected her boss, and she was happy with her day-to-day -day there. I just, or so she said, maybe I'm wrong. Now this really got Will thinking. Because, I mean, he knew that she didn't hate her job. She tried to pretend like she did, because it was quirky to be like, I hate my job, I'm unfulfilled, but I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars, so I'm gonna keep doing it. You know, one of those finance type of situations. And Emily said, I mean, I think she was happy. Happy-ish, right? As happy as any of us can be. And Will agreed. Anita did seem happy, but there were a few moments in hindsight that kind of stuck out to him. They would take peaceful walks in the park, and Anita would ask him, Is this it? Do you think this is it? And he would say, I hope so. And he would grab her hand and they would keep strolling. And at the time, Will interpreted it as Anita asking a content, sentimental question of like, 
Is it it? Are you the one? Are you the real deal? But actually, it was a more depressing question of like, is this all there is in life? Mm. Like, is this it? But Will heard the version that he wanted to hear. Now, Will snaps back in reality when Emily starts talking again. And she says, I think you're right. There's just something off about the whole thing. The pictures, even her captions, it just, it doesn't sound like her when I think about it now. So she, you're saying that she had an attitude change? Yeah, as she's like walking after the cafe. So maybe hmm. during the cafe, she's like, tell, like trying to be like, whoa, you're just trying to stalk her. Mm -hmm. But then maybe it like left this seed in her head where she's like, Wait, it is kind of weird. Mm. Like now that I'm not in front of Will and I'm not worried about him having a breakdown or trying to stalk her again, mm. it's kind of... Suspicious. Suspicious. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So Will's just busting at the seams wanting to talk about this. This is like his little conspiracy. He's been dying to go to the Lotus pose on Instagram, the way that it matches with one of his camera rolls, how Anita is still wearing her Tiffany necklace. That's strange. When Will has, you know terrorized her she had to get a restraining order he had a psychotic breakdown tried to take his own life and she's still wearing such a sentimental necklace and he, he tries to you know not rant about it but he tells it in a very rushed way and Emily sits there and just says okay show me and the two of them sit there going through each other's phones comparing pictures of Anita on her Instagram. Turns out Anita was not just posting photos from when she was with Will, but also pictures that Emily had taken of her. And for hours, the two of them sit there and embark on some manic investigative work and they analyze Anita's feed comparing photos Anita had posted to photos that they have on their own phones. Practically every single picture was old. Hmm. They, they copy and paste Anita's captions onto Google and found that most of what she was saying were other blog posts by other people or just random like generic phrases and wordings that were found on those Zen memes or self-help book quotes. So Emily starts frantically calling some of their old friends. Hey, um, have you guys heard from Anita? Like actually, have you actually heard from her? Like have you heard her voice? Have you guys FaceTimed or have you seen her? Nobody had talked to her since she left. They would text, they would email, but nobody had heard her voice. And Emily plops down on the living room couch and the two are just sitting in silence like, what does that even mean? And Emily looks up and her eyes fall on Claire, the sister on the portrait. Is that your sister? The one that drowned? Um, yeah, Claire. For a while, Emily's quiet. It feels like she's looking for the right words, like she doesn't want to offend anyone. Did you ever notice how much she looks like Anita? Will didn't notice at first until everyone pointed it out. He remembered the first time he brought Anita home to meet his parents. His mom visibly turned white, but being the class act that she is, she put herself together and warmly greeted Anita. But after Anita left, Will found his mom crying in front of the fireplace portrait and he followed his mom's teary eyes to the portrait of his sister. He never really noticed till now that Claire and Nita looked similar. They weren't identical, but they had the dimple on their chin, the same eye shape, the way that they smiled was eerily similar. Um, yeah, only later after my mom pointed it out. And with that, the two of them tried to do more investigative work. And Emily says, well, I think, I think I was the last one to talk to Anita. Brianna hasn't spoken to her since February of last year, okay? Brent, well, you know Brent, he's always losing his phone and he lost his phone after he, she left. He doesn't have the record. Chloe can't remember, but she thinks it was sometimes after, after, you know, 
what happened with you. And um, all we remember is that Anita didn't seem to be that into Parker. She thought that he was one of those annoying early retirement guys. You know the ones that live on like 10% of their incomes and pinch every penny so that they can retire by 30, but they never have any fun. And if anything, they just like mooch off the system and other people. And Anita used to complain about having him as a client. So I can't imagine why she would run off with him. Anita hates cheap people. Her love language was gift giving, remember? And we've been looking for hours. There's no trace of Parker anywhere except his online presence. There's no LinkedIn, there's no, there's no personal account with pictures of his family, nothing. Just fucking vegan recipes and money saving tips. So they lean back like, I mean, there's no way this is true. Like, are we losing our minds in this apartment right now? Like, there's no way that this conspiracy theory is true. Even Will is like, okay, now that we've voiced it out loud, Kind of sounds dumb. And Emily says, wait, I think I know where she might be. And she pulls out Anita's Instagram and it's Anita about to shove a pink ice cream into her mouth. And the caption reads, organic ice cream made with all locally sourced ingredients, milk from local grass-fed cows, berries from the farm up the road, and sweetened with honey from an area beekeeper. Look, we've been there, all three of us, together. Do you see the logo in the back? She's zooming in. It was a black and white cow with its pink tongue sticking out. The happy cow. Remember, this is near your cabin in the woods. After my breakup with Chris, it was like really bad. Anita wanted to help me recover and you guys suggested that we go to the cabin for the retreat. Do you remember this was the first time we went to the cabin? This was the first time that you opened up about your sister Claire. And look, she's at the happy cow, but in this photo, she's not wearing the Tiffany necklace. So maybe we thought it was an old one, but maybe this is new. Because when you guys were together, she never took off the necklace. She slept in it, she showered in it, she did everything in it. Okay, so what do you suggest we do? Do your parents still have their car? Uh, yeah. How about a road trip? You mean, go looking for her? Like, stalking her, Emily? You want me, I, I have a restraining order. No, I, I know, I get it. But I'm worried, okay? Something's not right and I just feel it. I mean, then maybe we just go to the police? And what? Say my friend won't return my calls and I think this online life that she's living is an elaborate conspiracy and I think she might be the victim of foul play by a guy named Parker? Yeah, okay, it sounds dumb. But Will was nervous. I mean, sure, he's stalking her online, but he was making progress. He was on his meds. His therapist would not approve of this. Dr. Black would tell him, Will, what did we say? Focus on yourself. Work on your novel. Work on getting a job. Work on yourself. Well, I'm going with or without you, Will, because I can live with making a fool out of myself if we're being paranoid. We'll look like idiots. Yeah, so what? For me, that's fine. But I will not be able to live with myself if, if, if I'm right and something happened to her and I do nothing. And say we go, we find her, and there she is, all gorgeous and minimalistic and in love with Parker and living her best life, then we know for sure she doesn't want our friendships. She doesn't want our connections. And if that's the case, then we will know the truth and we can move on. So they borrow his parents' Land Rover and set off. And Will doesn't really know exactly where they're going. Like, are they just gonna go into the upstate New York small little town and like look for Anita? That's how, where do they even start? So he's like, are we just going to the cabin or the happy cow? Like, where are we going exactly? I don't know, let's just go to the town where the ice cream place is. Yeah, but the shop and all the shops are gonna be closed. The whole town shuts down at like 9 p.m. It's okay, you know, we're in the flow right now. So as long as we make it out there, we'll find our way. Emily was all about being in the flow of the universe. It didn't work out so great for Will. I mean, look at where he's got, you know? He didn't really believe in the flow of the universe. He believed in therapy. 
but he wasn't arguing. He's just going along with it for Emily's sake. The roads are dark, they're driving in comfortable silence, there's no other cars on the road, and finally, Will kind of voices his thoughts. I always did wonder why she came that night after everything. Why she even answered my call. She didn't. It was me. What? What? It was me. She never answered you that night, and I felt awful about And she felt awful about it. She really did, but she sent your call straight to voicemail and then deleted them. She, she didn't know until later what happened that night. Will was confused. He had seen Anita there. He remembered seeing her there. He heard her call the ambulance. You called me because you couldn't reach her and you thought that maybe I would be with her. I wasn't, but I raced to your place and I convinced your landlord to open the door and the whole bathroom was flooded. I called 911. And Will felt this tightening in his chest. He had held onto this memory for... For so long, believing that he had a chance with Anita because she still cared about him, she saved his life, and that had to be something, right? I'm sorry, Will. I, I really didn't want to tell you. I didn't want to hurt you more than you've been hurt. I could tell that it meant something to you. And Will is, like, gripping the steering wheel too tightly, and Emily is shaking. The tension was thick. But eventually, Will relaxes and holds Emily's hand and says, Thank you, Emily. Thank you for saving my life. I'm glad you're still here. So am I. And in that moment, I think Will let Anita go just a little bit more. He realized that he was clinging onto this memory of her saving his life and how that meant something and there was this connection. But he had to accept that Anita didn't care about him and didn't care for a really long time. But Emily, she did. And true friendship is oftentimes invisible. The person is always there, always picks up your calls, they come in times of need. Why do we so often take that quiet presence for granted? So Will starts seeing Emily in this new light during this car ride, and he breaks the silence by reciting one of her poems. It was his favorite. The nose you were born with, the birthmark you had removed, your childhood scars, I want to see all your beautiful ugly. Shed the mask you wear for everyone else and show me. And it was like for the first time, they saw each other. And she was gorgeous. What a dude. <laughs> and it just like sent a shiver down his spine, okay? And uh, anyway, they get to the town and there's no fucking flow. Everything is closed for the night and they don't know what to do. Suddenly the conspiracy, all the urgency, it felt dumb. <laughs> they felt like they were coming down to hunt somebody down and it was all just kind of stupid. So Emily's giggling. Well, I feel stupid now. I think I watched too many true crime shows. I thought we found a clue and that we could like solve our little case of our missing friend who's probably not even missing. <laughs> Well, I know this one place that's still open. Pops, the 24-hour diner. You wanna go there? Pops is one of those old fast food places. Their burgers and shakes are incredible. It's a family-owned business. Pop is the owner. He's in his 90s now, but his kids run it. Wow. But Pop, he sits at the front of that restaurant greeting every single person that comes in still. And Will's family used to come up here all the time when they were kids. Him and Claire would run around the place getting their little milkshakes and, um, so they walk in and Pop's face lights up. Will, long time no see. Wow. How you doing, Pop? Never better, son. How's that lovely family of yours? All good. Well, don't forget to bring home a piece of pie to your mom for me. And it was this cute little moment, but also sad because this is the exact conversation Will has with Pop Pop no matter how many years it's been. Pop seems senile, he seems too old, and he seems like he's losing his mind. So the two sit down at the booth and they order some burgers and Emily's still on her little undercover mission. She shows the waitress a picture of Anita and says, have you seen her around? But the waitress just kind of stares, stares at her and just shrugs. 
She doesn't ask a single question of like, oh, who's the girl? Or why are you guys looking for her? She just shrugs and walks away. The two give up, they enjoy their dinner, they talk about other things, not Anita. How Emily had applied for this writer's retreat that she was worried about. If she gets in, it's out of the country, so she would have to quit her job. They talk about Will's writer's block, and honestly, it's an easy, effortless conversation. And when they get up to leave, Will wants to use the restroom. So when he gets out, Emily is showing a picture of Anita to Pop and asking, do you know this girl? And immediately Pop's entire demeanor changes. He stares blankly. Is that the girl that died so long ago? Oh, no, her name is Anita. And Pop's eyes are glossing over with tears. He's thinking about Will's sister, Claire. Such a tragedy, what happened. And at this point, Emily is horrified. She made such a fragile old man cry. She's apologizing nonstop, and Will tries to help, and Will puts his arm around Emily. Pop, I got my peanut butter pie for my mom. Oh, right. Don't tell your mother, but I've always had a crush on her. Don't worry, Pop, your secret's safe with me. And with that, they open the door, the bell rings, and Emily steps out into the night first. Good night. And as they're walking out, she can't hear this, but Will can. Pop's talking to his kids, and he says, They say the brother did it. There was something always off about that boy. Will? Will pretends he doesn't hear. Is it upsetting? Yeah. Okay, no. there's... Yeah. There's a lot of rumors surrounding Claire's mysterious death. I mean, think about it. Beautiful young girl dies by accident. No one wants to accept that. Claire was perfect. She was bright, bubbly, vibrant, and full of promise. Nobody wanted to accept that she was gone by accident. Besides, the rumors don't upset Will anymore. People will believe what they want to believe, and there's no changing their minds. So Will drives Emily to the parents' cabin, and she says, Wow, I forgot how isolated this place is, like in the total middle of nowhere. You should come out here more. You could really focus on your writing up here. Yeah, that's what my mom says. I mean, really, you could get quiet. That's what I always think when I'm looking at Anita's post. I'm so jealous. None of her boyfriend, Parker, or her success. It's just, I feel like she's kind of found her place, you know? Well, you're always welcome to come here if you want. Really? Are you kidding? It's empty most of the time. My parents would love more company. And just like that, they pull into the cabin. The house is small and dark. And when they get out, they hear the rustling leaves, the owls, the moonless, starless night. And Emily says, hey, Will, is someone else supposed to be here? Huh? No, why? I think I hear music. No, that's... And there's a light on inside, I think. And Will is tempted to say that the house is haunted, but he resists the urge. And then he feels the surge of anger. The house is fucking haunted, okay? Haunted by his parents' grief, his grief, their expectations. Haunted by his perfect sister, Claire. The perfect child. The smart one. The promising one. And Will is the problem child. See, this is what a lot of siblings say. That you can never compete with a dead sibling. Because your parents will always compare to them. Claire died when she was 15, but she managed to be better than Will in every way. His parents would always say, your sister was a talented writer. I can only imagine what she would have done. You can't compete with a dead sibling. But Will knows the truth about his sister. She wasn't perfect. Nobody is, and she wasn't. She was mean sometimes. She would torture Will, tease him, blame him for accidents, and she slept around, you know? She wasn't that good looking. She just developed early, and she evoked emotions she wasn't prepared to handle. Yeah, that's what he said. Also, side note, don't be silly. Will did not hurt his sister. 
But there were tons of rumors that either Will did it or the dad did it or some guy in town everyone knew that was violent did it, but the police ruled it an accident. The only evidence that someone even was there with Claire that night was the little scattered footprints, but they were much larger than Will and even larger than their father's. And Will loved Claire. He would have never killed her. For all the teasing that she did, she also cuddled them. When they were kids, she would, you know, protect him from the nightmare. She helped him with his homework. She taught him how to do his hair so he didn't get bullied for having dorky hair. They had a normal sibling dynamic. But of course, everyone wants to pick apart their whole family after she passed to be like, which one of the members did it? Anyway, Will snapped back to reality and noticed Emily sounded stressed. Do you hear that? He did. Do you, do you know if the place is empty? Maybe one of like, maybe someone is squatting. Like if they know that the cabin is empty, we should call the police and have them check. Squatting. Suddenly thoughts start ramming through Will's mind. It had to be her. I mean, it had to be her. It makes sense now. She was sending him the signs. She was here. He, he should have known. He's a freaking idiot. He left the city, came here. She's, Anita's been here all this time. She's been here. Her boyfriend is fake. She's been here. I mean, it's perfect. It's almost like a novel. Anita's clever. He's gonna open the door. She's gonna be sitting on the dining table with her infinity necklace around her neck with her hair up, wearing a long sleeve t-shirt. She's been living the simple life in this cabin. Except Will is delusional. And when he comes around the back of the house, all the lights in the house are dark. It was just the porch light that was on a timer. And the music? It was a group partying out at the lake. And the music, you could hear some faint noises. But Emily is still confused. Will, are you crazy? What if someone dangerous was inside? Yeah, what if it was a big animal, Emily? And she slaps him on the arm, and they get inside, and they start popping some TV, or popping some popcorn in the old-fashioned way, literally on the stove, no microwave. They're playing a VCR movie of The Matrix. They don't even have signal here. It's literally the olden times Netflix and chill. And while they do that, Emily even wanted Will to take off his shirt, because they're doing it. They just like Matrix into the first base, second base, third base. They're like hitting home runs nonstop. And Will hated taking off his shirt because he had scars from his attempt, remember? Mm -hmm. But she was embracing his scars. She said she wanted mm -hmm. to see all of him. And Will felt like for once he felt accepted and loved. And with Anita, it always felt like she kind of held back a little. Like she was observing everything going on. But with Emily, she was just fully present. It was just, it was perfect. And the next morning they wake up. They get the fireplace going. Emily's in the kitchen making soup. Her little journal is open on the counter. Maybe she had a stroke of creativity. It was perfect. So he sits down and he's happy to eat some warm food. And then his mood darkened. He remembered his meds. How long has it been since he's taken them? A day, okay, that's fine. He knows he should get home soon to take them. He knows if he goes too long without them, the paranoia, the delusions, they all come back. Maybe he's missed more than one dose because his head kind of feels fuzzy. He's lost in thought and Emily's observing him and she speaks up. You're never gonna let her go, huh? Silence. Well, do you think it's more about Claire? Maybe it's more about your sister. How you couldn't hold on to either of them? Your sister and Anita. And even though Anita was with you and in love with you, you kept chasing her and you held on so tight that you strangled the love out of her. You drove her away when all you had to do was just let her be. Just stop, Emily. Look, she's gone, okay? Here's the truth. That tiny house, it's in Portland, Oregon. Anita and Parker are really happy. What? What are you saying? I'm saying I, I've helped them out on social media here and there. I did some work for them in the beginning. And I still do occasionally. What? what? No, stop. 
She doesn't want anyone to know where she is, especially Will. You hurt her, Will. You, you scared her. The night that you got... The night that everything happened, you pushed her through a wall and you tried to strangle her. If it wasn't for her neighbor breaking down the door, she said you might have killed her. Suddenly, Will hears Anita's voice screaming at him. Stop it, Will. You're hurting me. Will, she says it's hard enough to be stable herself without your instability. But why would you do this then? Why would you make me think that I, you had the same suspicions that I did and make me think that... I don't know. I, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I mean, I haven't talked to her. Just text and email and DMs for a long time. But I just thought if I could get you away from all of it, the city, get you all alone out here, maybe where it's, it's quiet, maybe you would see. See what? I don't know, maybe me? Like, what happened last night was real. So she, the whole time she's into him. Yeah. And Will admits he felt it too. But right now, he felt more anger than anything. It was bubbling inside of him. Why did they always have to lie? Why did they always have to lie and leave him to play the fool? The one waiting for a return that never comes. And he's so upset, but he tries to remember his coping mechanisms his therapist had taught him. But it's too late. He's remembering his sister. She made him promise not to tell. As she slipped out into the night, Will didn't say anything. Even when their parents got home that night, she didn't say anything. Even the next morning, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything until they found her body in the cold, dark water all alone. Will had to live with that guilt. Emily starts crying. I'm the one that came when you called, and I'm the one that's still here answering your calls. I'm helping you with your career because I love you and I always have. Emily is clearly still hoping for a happy ending to this conversation, and she shows him a clenched up fist and opens her palm. Inside is the Tiffany necklace. What? She gave it to me just before she left town. She wanted me to give it to you. But I couldn't. I'd... How could I hurt you like that? You were working so hard to get better. But the sight of that necklace makes Will seethe with anger again. And he says, why are you telling me this now? Because after last night, the, the reality of what we had, I don't want any lies between us or anything fake. I just want truth. Will feels sirens bla blaring in his head. His thoughts are blocking him. It's hard to think. Everything is hard to think. And Emily is trying to calm him down. Will, are you okay? Will? Will likes Paul. Paul is his agent. And more importantly, Paul likes Will's work. He's holding a copy of the manuscript in the cafe together and he says, wow. This is gonna be, this is gonna be big, Will. It's amazing, just <laughs> everything it needs to be. A great hook, perfect suspense. I mean, the ending, no one will see it coming. I still think about it. I never ever suspected the brother, not for a second until the truth was revealed. It, it's just masterful and such an unreliable narrator, so good. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I really owe it to you and to Emily for connecting us. Oh yeah, speaking of Emily, Will, have you, um, have you heard from her recently? Like, have you actually talked to her? And Will's shoulders tenses up, but he relaxes them. Uh, no, not in a while. You see, since the cabin trip, Will has been busy, trying to reclaim his life. He built a social media presence. Even Anita comments on his post once in a while. Usually just emojis, but... Will slips the book contract into his satchel next to the black moleskin journal he carries everywhere. What? And he also carries the necklace right next to it. But before Will can leave, Paul wants to talk more about Emily. Seems like someone has a crush. So she's on a writer's retreat? Where's that? Um, sure, maybe England or somewhere out in the country, she said. 
So she just quit her job and ghosted everyone? I guess. I'm just glad that she's following her dreams, you know? Wherever they've taken her. I heard she's trying to publish a poem, you know? Good for her. She seems happy. Paul nods. I just, yeah, kind of miss her. Yeah, me too, Paul. I miss her too. And he did. We'll miss them all. Claire, Anita, and Emily. And that's the end. So there's a couple of theories, okay, that I've come up with. Ending number one, Will killed all three girls. It makes sense. He hated his sister for being perfect and for bullying him. He killed her. Then he killed Anita for not wanting to be with him. And maybe afterwards he tried to take his own life, but his survival instinct kicked in. He saved his life. And because he couldn't live with the guilt of killing Anita, or maybe he wanted some sort of alibi, he made her real. Personally, I think it's because he couldn't deal with the guilt. Because just posting to show the police like she's alive is very different from being so involved. Maybe he felt like Anita was still alive. He tried to turn her into this real person so he could chase her again. Okay. But when Emily lied, I think Emily lied and said that she knew that Anita wanted to be left alone, it's almost like she was lying for her own benefit. She's lying to say, Will, Anita doesn't want you anymore. Uh-huh. I talked to her. And so with that, maybe that was a reality check of like, she's lying because I know Anita wouldn't have said that because Anita's not real. And it made her, him seethe with rage. And it shattered his whole thing that he had going on in his mind. Ending number two is that Will killed none of them. Claire was killed by someone else or it was an accident. Anita is off somewhere else doing her own thing and Emily is at the writer's retreat. But remember where he talked about the part of the manuscript and Paul says he never suspected the brother. Well, that sounds like he killed his sister. And he also said, such an unreliable narrator. Isn't that a hint to the audience that Will is an unreliable narrator? Yeah. I also just don't see Anita ever commenting on her former stalker's Instagram post, ever. Like, imagine, why would you do that? Even an ex, would you be happy for their success? Yeah. Even if they didn't stalk you and, like, do emojis for them? Yeah. No. And the Black Moleskin Journal, just coincidentally the same as Emily's, and he's carrying it alongside Anita's necklace, Ending number three is that Emily killed Anita for her obsession with Will, and Will either knew it or didn't, and ended up killing Emily. So maybe because she leaves her journal at the cafe. I mean, this guy is a stalker. You're telling me he loves invading privacy. He loves, that's his jam. And you're telling me that he didn't read his journal? Mm -hmm. Maybe he did, and something showed that Emily did kill Anita. And she still loved Will, so she wants to get closer to Will, but Will is using that as an opportunity to kill Emily in the cabin. Because she killed Anita. That makes sense. Right. I don't know. This is like the plot of you. And maybe that's why Emily had Anita's necklace. Because, you know, she killed her. But it's trying to be like, look, she gave it to me and doesn't want you anymore. Now, ending number four is that Anita never really knew Will. This one's a little wild. But they never dated. That's why she never came to his rescue when he was in the bathtub. She didn't even really know him. He's just a random stalker. And on top of that, whenever he mentions Anita is posting old pictures that's together, there's always a shadowy figure off to the side. That doesn't really make sense if you're the one taking the picture. Yes. But rather someone who's in the distance taking a picture. Yes. Like following her. That's what I thought. Yeah, trying to be near her. Mm -hmm. And even the way that he describes certain things, it was just off, right? Mm -hmm. But then how does Emily play into it? That's the part that got me. Personally, I think that he killed them, but that's just my speculation. I wish the story was longer. Yeah, I wish there's yeah. some more clue because right exactly. now there's, it's way too open. None of these are, endings are perfect. Are satisfying. Yeah, they're not satisfying. 
I wish there were more tie-ups at the end. Okay, yes. I don't like everything to be so pretty tied up like the last BAM that we did. Then she was gone. Yeah. That was too perfect. Everything was like neatly tied. I don't like that. I like a little unraveling. Yeah. But I like to know, okay, this is the general idea of what happened. Yeah. And then here's the open ending. But yeah. I don't like when the whole thing is open. This mm. wasn't exactly a cliffhanger in the sense that I was so mind-blown that I was like, oh my god, so many possibilities. It yeah. was just like, hello? You could have given me a little more something. Yeah, give us a little bit more clue. Yeah. To give us so we can think a little more on yeah. what happened. And it's kind of sad because the book is fantastically written. So it feels like the author kind of hit a, a character point that she was supposed to hit. And then was like, okay, well, you guys figure it out. Because <laughs> up until it, it was perfection. Like, really? so good at building the suspense. I had so many questions. And then it almost felt like, oh my god, do you want to know what happened? Do you want to know? Do you want to know? And my shift is over. Have fun. <laughs> and I'm like all hyped up, jacked up in the end, like, yeah. where did you go? Uh -huh. Or maybe there's something I'm, I'm missing. I'm expecting some plot. My whole suspicion is leading me to Emily. Yeah, me too. She's like up to something. Yeah. Like her I attitude shift. We will we'll kill this sister. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. That did not deliver as hard as I thought mm. it should. And I was so excited. You guys would be surprised at how many books I actually start and then give up because I'm like, mm, I don't think that's gonna be good. Mm. So, I mean, you guys probably know the drill. Have you, you guys know the struggle of going online and downloading a book. You're like, okay, let me get this audiobook. And then 20 minutes in, you're like, and then 20 minutes in, you're like, okay, never um, mind. Yeah. <laughs> that's the worst. Sometimes, bro, sometimes I'll have months. Every book I read, oh, it's a banger, banger, banger after banger after banger. And then I'll have like three months, every book I'm like, I'm not satisfied. Mm. I'm not satisfied. It's not doing it for me. And then you almost feel like you have to force yourself through the book because you paid for it. And then you're like, well, everyone said it's good. So like, where's the good? Maybe I need to get into it, right? But then you realize that you just won't pick it up. So then you just stop reading altogether. Oh. That's the worst. Anyways. Mm. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's Bacon a Mystery, Bacon a Murder, and I will see you guys next Monday because remember, I am here the first three Mondays. And I take a Monday off once in a while, so I'll see you guys on Monday. Bye!